You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. I mean, most of our bullpen, you could look at each one of these guys um, for a little while now. It's been a while where they've all thrown the ball pretty well. And uh, when you're a position player and you know that your guy's going out there and he's he's probably going to give you a good effort and he's probably going to put up a zero, um, it gives you all the, the confidence and courage to go out there and play the way that you can. Um, you're not wondering about what's going to happen next. You're just wor- worrying about doing your job at the moment and you know that, uh, you know, those guys are going to give you a boost. You know, the game gets shortened up and feels good. Uh, I said something to you guys. I think it was late last week. Judd and I matching hats here, purple daily hats. That's cute. Like, very Look exciting. at that swag, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are we are shills for our other podcast, which you can find a full breakdown of the Kellen Mond uh, slicing off the roster on today's episode of Purple Daily. Let's go check that out. No koozie. But uh, I said something. Yeah, there's the koozie. I said something last week. And people laughed at me. I think I saw Judd chuckle a couple times, too, in my face on this show. People mocked. They ridiculed. They toilet papered my house. They sent threatening messages to my family. Mm. Okay, we had to get the authorities involved. Wow. And all I said was, the Twins are losing a lot of games here, but they stack up pretty nicely. Some of the pieces they have, they stack up pretty nicely for a playoff series. And if you look at the formula last night, it wasn't even one of their best starters. It was Dylan Bundy. You know, get into the fifth. Just have it not be a train wreck. Just get into the middle innings, fifth, sixth inning, couple runs, two, three runs, whatever. Okay, Set it up for the bullpen. You take a two-run lead into the late innings. Could be a one-run lead, whatever it is. And then you go lefty specialist, Caleb Thielbar. He's having a pretty good season. Had a little little rough patch there for a while. Uh, And then you got Duran and Lopez just to get you know, six to eight outs wherever you need them, seventh and eighth, seventh and ninth, like it was last night. And you might have to mix in another reliever in there somewhere, like a Griffin Jacks, but take that two-run lead into the, the, the last third of the game. Let some of your, your your big bats come up with some clutch hits. They've got four or five guys in their lineup. Gio Urshela, I think, is one of them. Carlos Correa, Luis Arise, uh, Miranda, Buxton when he comes back at some point. I'm just saying, like, they've been through a lot of, a lot of it self-inflicted, some of the bad play. But at the end of the day, last night was another good example of you can win a playoff game with this team. You can win a playoff series. I'm not saying you're going to beat the Yankees, but if you play the Blue Jays or the Rays in a playoff series, there's some pieces here. I'm going to duck for cover. I know I'm, I'm saying it that I, I sort of like the bones of this team still, even though they've struggled since May 24th. All due respect, I agree on, on this. I like the back end. The back end's nice. The back end's got some quality there now. Those trades were good trades. Like, like they might, if the Twins fail and don't make the playoffs, then yes, you traded prospects. I think we, we could probably have a discussion there. Mm. But, I mean, we applauded it at the time, and I continue to. That, that bullpen was 
had one or two decent chips or good chips in, in the case of Duran. Uh, and now it's solid. I guess my question is this. So just to try and, and forecast things, who do we think they're going to, who do we think they would get in the playoffs at target field if they win the division? I'm glad you asked that question because <laughs> right now, right now, so they're, yep. they're a game and a half back of Cleveland. They're actually closer to Cleveland than they are the third wild card spot. So they're going to have to win that, the division. I think. Their best path is the division. They also have to leap over the yes. Orioles to get to the three wild card teams right now. And they're two back of the Orioles. So yeah. So right now the division is, is the path. Mm-hmm. If they were in first place right now, so if, you know, so Cleveland right now would play the Toronto Blue Jays in a three-game series in Cleveland. All three games would be in Cleveland. Because okay. right now the Rays are the number one wildcard team, the Mariners are number two, and those two teams, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think I have this right, they would play each other, and then the Blue Jays, the third wildcard team, would play the third division winner, correct. while the top two division winners, the Yankees and the Astros, watch it all play out for a few days, right? right. They would get... That's accurate. Um, so they would... Is that correct? Yes. The, the wild card round is, is independent of those other two teams? Yes, yep. the, the, those two teams go to the yeah. ALDS automatically. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's all up for grabs right now because the Rays are only a game up on the Jays with the Mariners sandwiched between. Those are three teams separated by one game. So it's... It, it's, it all could change. The Orioles could get in the mix. The White Sox are still technically in the mix here, more for the division than the wild card. Lord help us on that. Um, so here, here's my thought process is I think this all comes down to this. Who do, who do you get? If you get the Rays here, I like how this stacks up. I think, Phil, your assessment last week, full disclosure, I did check all, I think, three times. Um, I think your assessment of last week is now accurate. If you get the Jays, who've got guys that can hit really well, uh, I think it becomes dicier because I'm not sure your starters get you to where. Because like like last night, which which to be clear was I thought a fun game and a nice win um, against a Boston team that is sort of a mess. But anyway, I thought last night was indicative of exactly what the Twins are capable of doing, probably near their best point. Right, like like you get. Bundy, he's not great, but I think he gives up two runs and five, gives way. You, you start to bring in Duran against, you know, um, the, the toughest part of the Sox lineup. So if you get Toronto, I don't like your chances. If you get Tampa Bay, and, and I'm talking about to win this thing. So I'm, I'm talking about to to win the wild card round. Uh, if you get the Rays here, I like your chances. Yes, you can win a playoff game. Like, I hope you can. Like, if we really think if they make the playoffs, I think they're going to be swept into again, specifically at home. That's a complete joke. Well, but, but yeah, yes, I think the Rays are a team that would give you an opportunity at least to probably actually advance through the wildcard run. See, for, for a long time, and there's been some different Twins teams that, that maybe don't fall in this category, but in the two decades of playoff failures, I think overridingly the Twins have had a formula of a bunch of number three starters in their rotation, you know, like uh, post TJ Liriano, Pavano and Scott Baker or Brian Dunsing. Like they, they've once Johan Santana left in free agency, they're, they're mostly bringing like a bunch of number two, number three starters to a playoff series. And then they face a Yankees team or whoever 
an Astros team with a clear-cut number one or something. And so you're already just behind the eight ball. Right. And then and then you've got a bullpen where it's like you might have one, you might have a closer, but it, but it's really more like just a a bunch, a hodgepodge of guys. None of them are throwing a hundred miles an hour. It's just, you know, you got, it's, it's a good one through 25 roster that gets you to 90 wins. But then when you get to the playoffs, it's like, Ooh, I don't know if I like how this matches up. This year's twins team feels a little bit the opposite where you're just kind of praying they can get close to 90 wins to get in. Cause once they get in, you start to trim some of the fat. You don't have to use some of these peripheral pieces. You've got, and I'm I'm not saying that you've got a you know a Max Scherzer in your starting staff here, but Sonny Gray is a damn good starting pitcher, and and we've seen Joe Ryan at his best. Joe Ryan can be lights out for six or seven innings at his best, and Tyler Malley can come in and he's on a rehab assignment here, so you know he he can come in and get strikeouts. So I love the top. They've got a bunch of like B plus starting pitchers, and on any given day, like a couple of these guys can be ace caliber starting pitchers, and they have it in their careers. And then you get to the bullpen, it's like, okay, well, if I can get six innings out of Sonny Gray, now I don't have to worry about half my bullpen. Mm-hmm. And I can get, and if I can get to the eighth inning, I've got these 100-mile-an-hour, you know, 96 to 100-mile-an-hour flamethrowing guys. Like you, you kind of you can see a shortened path in some of these games with this particular Twins team that might not have existed with previous iterations where it's like, well, we got to run Randy Dobnak out there in game two. And so... We're going to have to use eight relievers to get our way home, and you're screwed. That doesn't have to be the formula for this team if they can get in. Do you trust them, though? Do, do you trust Rocco to do the exact right thing in in a playoff game? Because we have, we have not seen it yet. Well, the formula that I just laid out is actually like determined at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> so I, I would say, let's just let's go into this game. Right. Sonny Gray is your, is your game one starter, and he's going to go for sure two times through the order. And then he'll, and then against a good lineup, we'll have him on on watch. But uh, let's go. Let's get five innings out of Sonny Gray, and then from there, we've got four innings to patchwork. We know that we know that six of those outs at least. You can maybe even get Duran into a second inning, maybe like an inning and a third, two thirds. Yeah. But let's say six outs for sure are accounted for by your two best relievers. If those guys give it up, you just tip your cap. So now I only have to fill maybe an inning or two with other relievers, and I can go match up with my lefty. So it's, I'm just saying, like, it's not, I don't think you're going to have to, you can decide a lot of this stuff at 2 o'clock in the afternoon just the way they like it once you get to the playoffs. So they have the, yeah, they have the resources, I think, to win a playoff game if they have the lead going into, you know, the fifth or sixth inning. They do. They have, they have the bullpen options. And also, I would say the acquisitions at the deadline are worth it regardless. Like, if, if we're going to be twins revisionist history, like, oh, my God, I still can't believe now I gave up our 7th and 21st and 26th and 16th best prospect. Seriously, go away. Like, just go away if, if that's still your wow. mindset. They had to do this trade. And, and if they didn't make these trades, now you're going back and you're still playing revisionist history saying, I can't believe they didn't make any moves at the deadline. And now here we are out of first place and not going to make the playoffs. So the trades were undoubt, undoubtedly worth it. They were. Um from the side of who do you want to play, I think Minnesota sports fans too also sometimes get into this habit of tunnel visioning themselves into finding try, trying to find and matching up against the worst team. And, and I, I, I get the logic there to a degree, but you're going to have to face someone. You're going to have to face someone that's probably pretty dang good. Wild fans did this when they wanted to play Vegas two years ago after they came back with the pandemic. Oh, we match up so well against Vegas. I don't want to play Colorado. Let's play Vegas. Let's play Vegas. And Vegas still ended up beating you in seven games. But you're going to have to play someone good 
to be in the playoffs. You don't just get to play the Royals and the Tigers again just because you're in the postseason. You have to go through some type of juggernaut. You know, some people kind of mocked us when, actually, and I think it was Dave St. Peter who came on the stage and said, let's slay the Dragon, though. Here we go again with the Yankees. Mm-hmm. You got to go through them. You have to go through them, and you have, to get, you have to get there by going through one of the better teams. So whoever it is, whether it's Toronto or Tampa Bay, certainly I agree with Judd that Tampa Bay probably provides you the path of winning that series more than Toronto because the Blue Jays' offense is pretty damn good. But regardless, I'm going to see someone that's really, really good in the playoffs. That's just the nature of it. The problem hey, too is- You're going to avoid Yankees-Astros, though, in the first round. That's the best. I mean, yeah, so you, you are going to avoid those teams. You, you will get a shot at a right. non-Yankees team in the first round. Yeah. Um, so here, here's, here's the other important game philosophy. If we're trying to win a playoff game, just one game. Okay. As pathetic as that sounds. The other important thing is to also look at not who's doing well, but how, how they'll do in a playoff game. Cause I'm sorry, but the giants were playing. And I, I know, I, I think they came into the series on Friday, a game under 500, but they were playing bad baseball and Boston's not that good, but. That being said, okay, in a playoff game, I think you've got to be prepared to, if if uh, Falvey comes in my office and I'm Rocco at 2 o'clock on the first day, my office door is locked and here's why. So you've got to be prepared for Sonny Gray, I think, to go 7. And here's why I think it's important. Theobar and Jax, I really like them. And I think that in the right situations, they've done a great job. And I'd like to pat them on the back and say, you've done a great job. But that being said, if I can, if Sonny Gray is pitching well, i.e. Maeda Barrios against the Astros, okay? The guys I really trust are Duran and Lopez. I trust Duran more, but I'm saying, you know, with, with what I brought Lopez here for, I'm not, I certainly am not going to not pitch him. Uh, but if I have a pitcher who is going well, a bulldog type of veteran starter. Gray qualifies as exactly that. Um, do I, beyond a matchup of sorts for three batters, do I want to bring Thielbar in? I'd prefer not to if my starter's pitching well. So I do think the philosophy has to be adjusted a bit because I think where we get into trouble is, well, it worked against the Red Sox. It worked against the Giants. And yeah, that's great. But in a playoff game, which I think is a unique circumstance, Depending on how my starter is going, I think the 2 p.m. edict is ridiculous if the guy is pitching well. That's the conundrum that, that you just laid out. That you're, it, It's almost certainly going to have to be confronted if they do get to the playoffs in the exact form you just mentioned, where the numbers don't lie. Sonny Gray, for his career, for his career over 10 years or 8 years or whatever it's been, he's been just fine third time through the order, not much different than second time. This year, third time through the order, has been a disaster for him. Uh, It's a fairly small sample size and that we're talking about, you know, 20 starts and, uh, I don't know, like 60 plate appearances or something. In fact, Mm -hmm. I'm pulling it up right now. Uh, His third time through the order, hmm, he has given up a 776 OPS, Mm -hmm. which is almost, it's about 80 points higher than the second time through the order. Batting average 304 third time through, 218 second time through. So this has been this has been a real thing this year. Mm-hmm. I think the question is, hey, do you do you let a guy who's in his early 30s who's been around the block a few times figure out the adjustment 
especially with prep time going into a playoff game, hey, you're going to face the Blue Jays in three days, in five days. You know that you're going to face them. And we really, really would prefer to not have to run five relievers out there and hope that they're all having their best stuff and that they're all mentally quiet and everything, right? Sonny, we need you to be effective at least a partial way the third time through the order because we'd really like to get six innings out of you. Do you trust him to make the adjustment on the fly in a playoff game? Or do you say, let's not even tempt it. The numbers are what they are this year. You get us two trips through. We're going to have to use five relievers to get through this game. I would rather Sonny Gray just take matters into his own hands and figure out the adjustment against that lineup on that day. But the reality is he hasn't been great at it so far in 2022. Um, Now, you could also, you could plan in a close playoff game, you could plan to run Duran out there early. Like, hey, man, so we're we're not going to save you guys till the eighth, ninth innings here. If it's a close game and we need to go to you in the fifth inning, and it's the heart of their order third time through, we're going to bring Duran in to finish the fifth and get through the sixth, Mm -hmm. and then we'll play matchups with Caleb Dealbar or something in the seventh, knowing that Lopez is waiting in the the wings in the ninth inning. And that's where I think you have to be a little more nuanced as a manager. Maybe you can plan some of this stuff at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. But to what extent will they trust a veteran pitcher to figure it out the third time through the order, or will they go to an inexperienced guy like Griffin Jacks and say, hey, you're, you're the fresh arm here. And the analytics would say that you make sense on paper, but your pulse is beating through your neck because you've never been in this situation before. <laughs> exactly. Which is what happened to Cody Stashak. Yes. And so I, I think that decision has to be made solely based on one thing. How is Sonny Gray pitching? Because what, what drove me crazy about the two losses to the Astros with uh, Barrios and Maeda was this. They were both pitching really well. They were both pitching really well. And look, I have no problem with the fact that the statistics speak. Like, like I'm not saying I'll dismiss the statistic, dismiss what, what the third time through stats are. But I am saying this. At some point in time, you have to weigh the human element of, oh, my God, this guy's pitching really well. And, Phil, you're exactly right as well. Like, if he's had time to prepare for this start, this is not June 5th. Like, if this is game one of the playoffs, this is not a – it, it's not a Wednesday night in Cleveland, right? And so I think that's where the Twins fall woefully short. And and I'm going to tell you right now, and, and there might be a faction of people who watch this who think I'm crazy, but I think that if Sonny Gray is pitching well, the empowerment of sticking with him for like six, so I'm not saying nine, for like six, I think the empowerment there speaks volumes, not to your fan base, your players. Your players, because there is an element then there of trust of, you know what, man, you are pitching really well. Uh, your, your career statistics say that the third time through, you're fine. Your recent stats don't, but you know what? You're pitching well enough that in a playoff game, you've er- earned this. And as an observer of the Twins, I would feel a lot better to see Sonny Gray give it up than Griffin Jacks come in, as you said, frazzled, nervous, and collapses. I would rather see the starter actually see it through a bit that, than to go to, to this rotation of bullpen guys because, oh my goodness, it's just that time. I love how we've just uh, we've just pinned Griffin Jacks for being unable to handle a moment that we or won't ever really see him. But like, sorry, but, sorry to Griffin Jacks. But to Judd's point, like he, that is Cody Stashek 2.0 written all over it. Like that's what happened to Stashek in 2019, and I think even in 2020 that he was he he. Pitched in some big spots in the regular season. He looked like he could be probably the third man out of that pen that could be reliable, and he clearly wasn't ready for the moment. So I, I, I agree. I think you should use your best relievers in the best in the highest leverage of situations. So if it's second and third and one out, 
and the Blue Jays have Vlad Guerrero Jr. up, probably time to go to Duran now. You can't be waiting until the 8th or ninth. This is the chance to get an out and get out of this jam now. But you do have to use these relievers in the right situations. Uh, of course, we are nowhere near the Twins actually being in the playoffs yet because they are still behind Cleveland and they are even further back in the wild card. According to ESPN.com today, the Twins have a 42% chance to make the playoffs. Cleveland's at 64%. They're giving they're giving a higher percentage beyond 100% because they could technically both still make the wild card. Uh, and then the White Sox are down to 12.4%. They've lost oh, eight man. of their last 10 games, including four in a row and are now two games below 500. Uh, one more Twins thing real quick, and then we have to get to kind of an explosive Alex Rodriguez-related story that pertains to Wolves' ownership before the show is over mm-hmm. in a Judd packing order. But uh, let's shout out our friends who've helped Judd over the past year lose and keep a lot of weight off. That would, would of course, be my friends who I've been talking about for months now. Livia Weight Control Centers um, down 40 pounds, the best part, keeping it off. And I, and, and Dawn, she joined because she said, you know, Judge, you've lost all this weight. It's not fair that it's j- just you. And I said, you're exactly right, sweetheart. She's down now 16 pounds. And I've been get, getting notes the last few weeks. It's great. People down 30 pounds, 35 pounds, basically saying, Judd, you're wrong about a lot of things. But you were right about this. And that is that this weight loss, weight control program is as simple as it gets. And now I want you, if you're looking to drop some weight, to join me, join Don, join all of these success stories. It's the anniversary sale where right now you can join the program for 50% off. That's right, 50% off. Call 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A-LIVIA.COM, livea Dot com and experience weight loss success that makes you feel great. And then the best part is helping you keep the weight off. Livia.com. One of my favorite things, you know, every once in a while when I need to drop some pounds, one of my favorite results is how great I look in my golf clothes. Oh, I might yeah. go out there and shoot a 106, <laughs> but damn it, I look good doing it. Yeah, are you describing my golf game every Friday, Saturday uh, for the last like two years, Phil Mackey? Because that's exactly how yeah. I look and feel, and especially when I step on the course at the Meadows <laughs> at Mystic Lake, an award-winning 18-hole public golf course. We were approaching fall golf weather. A little hot this week, but then we're cooling down, little mid-low 70s, perfect weather for golf. You can book your tee time for this weekend right now at golfthemeadows.com to learn more. Go out and get some, uh, maybe, maybe shoot a below on 100 like me or Phil does, but go and book your tee time now at golfthemeadows.com. How do you guys feel about the Kenta Maeda report that came out yesterday? I'm getting this from MLB.com that uh, Derek Falvey said Kenta Maeda, who underwent Tommy John surgery on September 1st of last year, so we're almost a year to the day uh, for Kenta Maeda's Tommy John surgery, that he's still feeling good and continuing his buildup, but the Twins are opting to be less aggressive in pushing him back to the field this season. It is unlikely he will return this regular season, he'll be uh, 35 years old next year during the middle of the season. That's, I can't remember when his birthday is, but he's 34 years old sure. right now. Uh, he has one year left on his very team-friendly $3 million a year contract, but he has not pitched in, in over a year. Are you, are you guys okay with the Twins holding back one of their potential critical chess pieces here for, for a stretch run? I'm torn on this one because one, I don't know. Like, I mean, if, if he's not prepared to pitch, he's just not. And so I, I can't say, I know he's set to come back and they're screwing up. But that being said, it did occur to me uh, that, that a guy who, when he, he was with the Dodgers, pitched extensively out of the bullpen would be a nice bullpen arm now. Um, you know, come in and throw two. You 
I'm not going to ask for six from, from you, Kanta. So I guess I'm a little bit surprised that the decision, it sounds like, has been made. Um, Dukes talked about this going, what, back about two months, about the fact that there was some back and forth about his uh, potential return, and that return might be to the bullpen, which made a ton of sense. So it's hard to be upset not knowing the full uh, the full extent of where he's at rehab-wise. But I will say this, I'm a little bit surprised that what seemingly is a fair, fairly early in the process of there being season left, that this was not given more time to play out for him to potentially be coming out of the bullpen in the playoffs. Dude, this guy, this is pretty good. a small sample size alert here, but uh, so he's pitched almost 40, 37 and two thirds career postseason innings, largely out of the bullpen. So he, yeah. his first three appearances were as a starter. In 2016, for the Dodgers, mixed mixed results. But so they, because they've been so loaded as an organization and starting pitching wise, you know he's never been one of their like top three playoff starters because they have Clayton Kershaw and Walker Bueller and all these other guys. Right. And so he's he came out of the bullpen for the Dodgers in 2017, 18, and 19, and he was great. He has a career postseason ERA of 2.87. 11 strikeouts per nine innings in the postseason for Kenta Maeda. And um, in the World Series, again, small sample size alert, but he made four appearances in the 2017 World Series against the Astros. Now, they lost that World Series, but do you guys remember that World Series? I do. I mean, that was like both teams knew what was coming the whole time. And then, and then later on, it was uh, it was figured out that, yeah, that the Astros had a system. So, like, the Astros knew what was coming the entire series. And Kenta Maeda was actually one of the only pitchers that dominated. He had uh, four appearances, five and two-thirds innings, and he only allowed one run and, like, six base runners against a team that knew what was coming. Um, so, if I guess my thought on this is, listen, if you can't pitch, you can't pitch. But to make the determination a month before the playoffs start right. that he can't even fire up for like an inning or two at a time, a guy with World Series experience, look up and down your bullpen right now. Who are the guys that you would trust in a big spot against a big lineup mm-hmm. not to get super nervous or miss a spot, right? I did, And again, he's, he hasn't pitched in a year, so I just think it's a weird thing to determine a month in advance. I get that you don't want him maybe starting and throwing 80 or 100 pitches. I'm not going to rush that, but could he throw 25 or 30 in some high leverage spots right. against playoff competition? I, w- I would leave that door open if I were the Twins. And why now? Like, why why not let this play out? That's what I don't understand. And maybe this was just like, hey, he happened to be, at, you know, Falvey happened to be asked about this and he gave his answer, but... Are they gonna? He kind of makes it sound like, yeah, we're basically gonna, we're gonna wind her down here for old, for old Kenta. That thirteen months after surgery, he wouldn't be ready to give you twenty five, thirty pitches in a game and then rest for a couple of days. He doesn't need to be pitching back to backs or anything. I just, I don't know, kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I guess. I mean, and I mean, it was a pandemic shortened season, but that dude finished second in Cy Young voting for the Twins in his first season at age thirty two, mm-hmm. and he's going to be thirty five essentially by the time the second week of the season rolls around. Yep. next year so i mean that's and that pitchers are maybe getting better with more information out there and, and getting these surgeries but it's probably not going to be the guy who had a sub one whip with the twins in the pandemic shortened season anymore and yeah i think you would have could have used him in the postseason in a high leverage situation which he has experience at yeah well yeah, that guy freaking came in i'm just looking through his his postseason 
you know, he he faced some lineups with the Dodgers, man. He and then he faced those yeah. Red Sox lineups in 2018, and uh, and he was a guy. They, I mean, they were bringing him in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings of of close games. There was a couple times where he'd come in. There's a I don't know what the game flow was. I think it was the it was uh, game five in 2017. It was like a four and a half hour game or something, and it was thirteen to twelve. And he came in for he did give up a that was the only home run he gave up in the two postseasons between two thousand seventeen and eighteen. But uh, no, no, he's not ready. He's not ready. I guess wouldn't want to push him. Do they have an obligation though? I mean, unless his camp is begging. Ah, if he wants, here's what it is. If he would like to pitch in the postseason, I would offer him the chance right now and say, listen, you're you're in your mid thirties. You've been a veteran pitcher for a long time. We're a year out. You know, you've been pitching bullpen sessions and stuff. If you feel like you can pitch out of the bullpen in a month from now in a playoff series, let's right. get you ready for that. Right. If you want to, you have one year left on your contract with us. We don't know that we're going to be relevant next year or not, but we are right now. If he says, ah, or if his camp says, ah, I don't want to risk it. I got to, I'm going into a contract year. Okay. That's totally fair, dude. All good. But I would get, I would let his camp decide it. Yeah, absolutely. And or, or just or just slow cook it. Just slow cook. Just say, you know what? We're not going to make that decision yet. Like I I wonder if there's if there's more to this that they're not telling us about, like some type of small setback or something. It just it the no, timing the, the, of The Twins beat writer said there was no indication of a setback at all is what oh, Derek found. I'll back off and I'd like to apologize to everybody involved. But I mean, this does seem like a weird timing thing and 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 you know, this team is vying for a playoff spot. It's been a a I, I would say standings wise relatively successful year. You've got a chance, and look, I mean, you've got eight get games left against Cleveland. Okay, so that's going to go a long way towards if if you can win five or six of the, those games, deciding if you're a playoff team. So the door, despite how bad this team looked against uh, Texas, and then just absolutely got drubbed by Houston, the door is in absolutely no way shut here. And everyone in that franchise should be after what we are. One playoff win. <laughs> one playoff win. And then, and playoff then, we'll, and then we'll take it from there. And then we'll one playoff win. From... Win game one. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, let's get into this New York Post story that oh, came out God. yesterday. <laughs> the headline of this story <laughs> is how Jennifer Lopez breakup jeopardizes Alex Rodriguez's $1.5 billion Timberwolves deal. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, I read this this morning. My first thought was, all right, how can I summarize? Like, let me, I'll just come up with like a two sentence summary and then we can talk about it. It's so deep and there's so many interesting things in here. I would like, we don't do this very often where we just like read stuff, but I would like to literally read through this article and then you guys jump in and let's just parse it apart because there's so many fascinating things yeah. here. Yeah. The, the one thing I'll, I'll say is this. The headline is intriguing and and clickbait, but it actually, as you read through it, it's actually way more in depth than her. It is. It's like yes, like at he- first I'm like, was she investing something? And then I read it more, and I'm like, oh, I get it. The headline, oftentimes on the New York Post, the headline doesn't quite live up to the actual content. This is the opposite. I think there's actually way more in. There's like three different stories in here. So let's just go through here. Alex Rodriguez is packed with an e- with e-commerce tycoon uh, Mark Lurie to buy the Minnesota Timberwolves for $1.5 billion, appears to be in jeopardy. 
and some insiders claim his breakup with Jennifer Lopez is at least partly to blame. So uh, I'll spare you some of the details here because they're explaining, like, last year, A-Rod partnered up with Mark Laurie. We know all this. So they entered into a deal that was supposed to make them equal partners when they made a $250 million down payment in July of 2021. This was a cash investment that, coupled with the assumption of a chunk debt on the team, amounted to a 20% stake according to those close to the situation. So, hey, we're in this together, $250 million for part one of what will eventually be like a three-part overtaking of the majority uh, stake of the Timberwolves ownership, 20% stake. However, A-Rod at the time had failed to come up with his full share, leaving Mark Laurie to cover the balance of the 20%. So as a result, Laurie actually has a 13% share in the Wolves, while A-Rod has 7%. Interesting. Alex and Mark were supposed to be 50-50, an NBA source said. Alex couldn't come up with his half. Now, terms of the deal require A-Rod and Lori to make the next 20% payment by the end of this year, by the end of December. And A-Rod is scrambling to raise his half of the money in addition to the cash he needs for the down payment. Three sources confirmed. Quote, I wouldn't be surprised if A-Rod becomes a subservient number two to Mark Laurie, a source said, predicting that Laurie might end up buying more than half himself and controlling the team with A-Rod as a minority owner. Laurie told The Post without confirming or denying that he owns a bigger stake than A-Rod, that the two, um, so I'm sorry, he did not confirm or deny that he owns a bigger stake, but he did confirm to The Post that A-Rod and Laurie will make decisions together. Quote, I couldn't imagine having a better partner. He's one of my best friends. There's no one else I would rather be partners with than Alex. If the story stopped there, it would be interesting, right? Which, okay. Which, oh, interesting. which I thought it did. I Sorry. thought it did. So I'm still COVID coughing a week and a half later. Um, so here's the J-Lo thing, all right? <laughs> Quote from a source. Mm-hmm. Mark Laurie got completely mesmerized by the J-Lo thing said a source who knows both investors. A-Rod frequently called for meetings with prospective business partners at the power couple's lavish homes in Bel Air and the Hamptons. And Lopez was typically on the premises, according to sources close to the situation. Quote from a source, you always took your A-Rod meeting with J-Lo. She's coming in and out of the room with workout clothes. A-Rod always made it seem like they were investing as a couple the source said, so hey, come on, why don't you come on over? Yeah, you can meet my gal. She'll just be jumping off the, the Peloton or whatever she's doing, her dance classes. Um, so Lori and A-Rod, uh, they did try to buy the Mets. It did not work out. Um, there's a lot more details in here about sort of the finances, but basically the gist of it is now that J-Lo is out of the picture, a lot of A-Rod's validation, listen, people don't trust Alex Rodriguez. He was much more trustworthy. He's much more trustworthy, like paired up with Mark Laurie, who people do trust. Right. And when he was paired up with J-Lo, who people seem to trust, the public seems to love J-Lo, right? Right. But, but, but one of the undertones of this article is that now that J-Lo is out of the picture, the ability, quote, his ability to raise capital went from strong to meaningfully weaker. J-Lo validated him, end quote, from a source. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know what's going to happen here. If Mark Laurie has enough capital, 
and Mark Laurie himself has enough connections, then at least they're going to buy the team from Glenn in some form. But the fact that A-Rod is having trouble coming up with his part of the funds here is very interesting. Can you read the Glenn Taylor part? Let me find it here. If you could continue to scroll down, it says exactly how Glenn will feel. So uh, if A-Rod and Laurie manage to make their next payment by year's end, they will then get the chance to buy an additional 40% and take control of the team by the end of 2023. If they fail, insiders say Glenn Taylor won't be overly disappointed (laughs) because Taylor believes the value of the team has risen to about $2 billion since they struck the deal and believes he can make more money by starting a new sales process. The Timberwolves did not return calls. A-Rod, <laughs> A-Rod told the Post, Glenn has been a good partner, and we have learned a lot from him. Um, but, the, but the thought here is that maybe if, if this falls through, Glenn would just go back to market and sell the team for even more. Whew. You know, it wouldn't bother me that much if Mark Laurie was the owner. Yeah. I think Mark is the more like Mark is the one. He's the builder. Mark is the one who has actually built companies and built cultures before. Mm-hmm. A-Rod has been kind of a floating investor in things. He's like A-Rod has only really ruined cultures in sports, right? Yes. So the more that Mark Laurie can sort of ascend to being the guy, and if A-Rod is a minority owner who's friends with Mark and maybe taps into some connections to yep. get better facilities or whatever it is i'm fine with that but if this turned into more of mark less of alex it would not be devastating to me well no but i I think the question is this um if a-rod drops out which i believe i've got to write that down going back like six months which which says he'll he'll be out in two or three years it might not take that much time uh the question becomes then how, how many investors does mark have to get to get the team because he's got a ton. I don't know if he has enough um, to actually buy it outright. My guess is he d- does not. Derek Dar- Dar- Jeter want to join the group? Yeah, exactly right. And I'm telling you, man, A-Rod wants to be Jeter, his old buddy. This, this is the same thing. And if, if you go, go back, and I think it was in the last episode of the Captain documentary, which was fantastic, it went through the whole thing about how Jeter wanted to buy a baseball team and, and come to find out, yes, you're rich, Derek, but you're not rich like the really, really rich. Um, A-Rod to me is the same guy if Mark Laurie can find a way to get investors in my guess is from that story no surprise Alex is going to be out in a year like there's I I don't see I mean I guess J-Lo being attached to you gives you validation and value she's a a legitimate businesswoman like she has built she has built brands but I mean this, this is this not if I had come to you when this story broke that these two were going to buy the team and i had said okay in x amount of time a rod is going to be broken up from j-lo it's going to be a mess the new york post is going to do a really intriguing story would would you have been like oh no no i think it's going to be fine this is the most a rod thing of a rod things possible in my opinion yeah i agree there's another nugget here that i should read too on his own, A-Rod might be worth $500 million, but little of it is believed to be liquid, sources said. Yeah. He owns part of a real estate portfolio with a billion dollars in tens of thousands of apartments and homes, including some properties in Minneapolis, sources said. But that's the thing. It's like a lot of rich people are rich because of the the value of the things that they are investing in. They don't just have 
$250 million in liquid sitting in a checking account to give to Glenn Taylor for a 40% or 20% chunk of a team, right? So uh, there's there's being rich, but then there's being like liquid rich, which Alex Rodriguez is is not necessarily. The one problem that I see that it actually might be to Mark Laurie's advantage here, uh, but that I think could play out because of what's going to clearly be a, a hiccup in what the expectation was, is this, though. This is going to give him more time while he's an investor and not the majority owner of the franchise to uh, to dip his toe in the water of replacing Target Center. And I think if you're Mark Lorry and you're told flat out, hey, buddy, ain't happening, ain't going to happen, I think that at least changes your thought process before it you write that last check. Um, this team, flat out, needs a new building. They know it. I know it. Everyone who wants... You're, wait, 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 wait. You're, you're saying you want the new building before you invest more money in the Timberwolves? I'm saying if I'm flat out told this is not going to work, you are not going to... We are going to put up every... We have built stadium after arena after stadium. And Mark, we are not going. In, in in fact, what three years ago, four years back, we just renovated your building. Mark, you are not going to get a new building for at least five to ten years in this town. What I'm saying is, if I'm about to lose um, the potential of buying the team, that might make it more palatable to just get out. And I disagree because, first of all, let me get in while the stock is low before a building is guaranteed because th- now, I, now I get in when the valuation is $1.5, 1000000000 So I'm in. And yep. now, and now I, and, and they're in anyways. Like they, they've already agreed to this, to this price structure right. and the valuation. But, Correct. but then once you, once you get a new building, whether it's in three years, five years, or 10 years, now, and, and, the, and the MBA values keep going up, now all of a sudden it's worth $2.5 or $3 billion. And guess what? If you don't, this is this is a great time to get in. Period in the NBA with an organization like the Timberwolves because there's really nowhere to go but up valuation wise. And if it doesn't work out that you get a new building in the Twin Cities, then the NBA will help you strong arm into moving well, somewhere question. or something. Like there's there's not a bad time to get in on the Timberwolves because you're getting in on one of the lowest valued NBA franchises in a league where. These things are just exploding in value, probably continuing over the next five or ten years. If you don't mind threatening, I agree completely. But like, if if you are, if, if you basically have have been told, hey, guess what? You know what, Mark? Seattle expansion, Vegas expansion, um, and we do not, and and we will fight to keep that market. And then the market says, yeah, but you're not going to get a building that. I'm just saying it gives the NBA more would time help you fight. The NBA would to help explore. You fight. Well, if they will, and if you don't mind, if you absolutely don't mind, and say, you know what, I I don't care. I own this team. It, hell, if I move this team, the valuation goes way up, probably. So yeah, this all, but but this does give him more time because I think Mark is probably fine, and and my guess is with his friendship circle, he can probably find investors if Alex uh, is basically deemed not uh, a viable owner candidate. It just gives you more time to explore things. And he doesn't even, it doesn't even need like friends. I mean, how many, if you just said, if you just said right now, Hey, uh, shark tank, we got We got a, you know, Oh, there's an extra 15% of an NBA franchise that unexpectedly opened up. Who wants in? I think a Mm -hmm. lot of rich people would say, yes, 
Get me in, mm-hmm. including, and I joked about it, but Derek Jeter probably still has the itch to be a part of an organization of some kind. Maybe, that, maybe he wants to stick to baseball. But. How bad would that chop A-Rod's ass if Derek Jeter swooped in and picked up this, a stake that he had? It, it would make great. no mistake. Hilarious. I think Jeter still can't stand that guy. I, yeah, did you see the body language on the, like, they brought like Jeter him. on next to A-Rod on the Michael K. A-Rod cast, and Jeter was so uncomfortable. Yeah, he does not. He can't hide his disdain, which no. I absolutely love. It's uh, it's, it's appreciated. Um, spiral light candles are all the rage, aren't they? Oh, You've they been getting are. a lot of feedback from fairgoers and stuff. They are indeed, and here is why. Well, for, first of all, several great candles, several great scents, which burn, which burn from inside, and then. You know, because they're called spiral, they burn down. And then they've got a wick inside. And what am I holding here? Because you're like, that that looks like a purple daily type of candle. That's exactly right. Spiral Light Candles has designed Judd's Purple Positivity Candles. So when things, you know what? Things might not go well sometimes. Cousins might throw a pick. Something bad might happen. And you get up from the couch and you're shaking your fist and you're mad. But you know what's going to calm you down? A spiral light candle available right now at the base of the grandstand at the State Fair or by going to spirallightcandles.com. It's a great gift for for a, a Vikings fan. Or guess what? With all their scents and candles, it's a great gift period for your mom, for your girlfriend, your wife, heck, your husband, perhaps. Spirallightcandles.com. Check them out. And again, check into Judd's Purple Positivity Candle, because when all hell is breaking loose, that candle is going to keep you calm. Federated Mutual Insurance Company, longtime partners of the Minnesota Timberwolves, by the way, uh, they are all about equity, integrity, teamwork, and respect. And these four cornerstones create the foundation that supports all interactions and decision-making between Federated and your business and, uh, and everything that they do on a day-to-day basis. You can find out how Federated can protect your business against unforeseen risks on the horizon, help you maximize the success of your business at federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. Um, all right, boys, that's a wrap on Mackie and Judd here today. Again, if you, uh, if you want our full deep dive into the Vikings roster cuts, Kellen Mond, he gone. You can check out Purple Daily. And also don't forget, Purple Daily on the uh, YouTube channel is the home of Vikings Ventline, the most fan-friendly and interactive and, dare I say, biggest and most popular and best Vikings postgame show in the world where we bring you guys into the video with us every single week, a week and a half away from Vikings Ventline debuting in 2022. So uh, be sure to be subscribed to both the Purple Daily YouTube channel and the Score North YouTube channel. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. It's crazy to think that a few weeks ago we were talking about whether or not Tua Tagovailoa should consider retiring after two concussions and worldwide debates on player safety and NFL culpability. Tua has done nothing but go back to work and currently has the Dolphins riding a three-game win streak and one loss behind the division favorite Buffalo Bills. While everyone was yapping about the end of his career, Tua Tagovailoa said he'll decide when it's time. And clearly, he's not ready to hang up the cleats. Hi, this is Chris Howard from the Plugged In with Chris Howard podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting up to the minute scores for every the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the MLB playoffs, the start of the NHL season, MMA, boxing, and golf. 
And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.